There we go. We're back again for another brand new episode of the Beautiful Mind Game podcast with myself, Hams, and Millie Chandarana. We're looking forward to this one because the last time we spoke to a woman footballer, it was a banger. And I know for a fact that this one will be even better. It will be fantastic. And there's so much more to learn. And I'm really happy with the fact that Millie's been able to reach out to her peers in, in the industry as well. So I'm really looking forward to this one. Millie, how are you doing today? And would you like to introduce our brand new guest for today's podcast? Yeah, sure. Um, it's great to be back and great to be speaking with you again. And yeah, another female footballer, a brilliant one. Um, and yeah, we love it, don't we? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Chance absolutely. to speak to everyone. So today, as a guest, we have got on at Slovenian International. I could reel off so many teams right now, so many massive just do it. Just, do, just do it. We need it. We need to do it. Yeah, do it. Do it. Do All it. right. What I've got so far Slovenian International, Uni in America, Fortuna Horing, I think I've pronounced that right, in Denmark, massive team, Espanol, Malaga, AC Milan, Valencia, and now a Sampdoria player in the Italian Serie A. See, if you, if you didn't do that, everyone would have just been like, oh yeah, it's just a Slovenian footballer from Italy, but you've actually picked up as someone who's actually been there and done that across Europe and across the world, in fact, as well. So, uh, Millie, who do we have on the podcast today? Today, we have Dominika Chonch. Chonch, how are you today? Hi, I'm, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. What have you done today? Have you done anything nice? Well, we had training. It's the last week. Uh, well, this Sunday, we're playing the last game. In the league, play. we're playing against uh, Verona. So, oh, it's, uh, yeah, we're already, I mean, it's pretty much done. Uh, we already are on the sixth position, so we can go up, we can go down. But, I mean, you have to play all the games through. Uh, uh, so, you guys are safe now? Yeah, we're safe. Uh, we've been there for, uh, I think, four, yeah, four games now. I think five games before the end. Uh, we won that spot uh, yeah and it's uh, that was pretty much a goal because the team is uh, in the league for the first time uh, they bought the license last year from uh, Florencia uh, so uh, a men's club uh, kind of thought of having a women as well which is great because uh, now you, you've been in that uh, industry for a long time now as well so and you know what it means if you have a, a men's team as a as a backup um, and it's obviously, yeah, it's obviously a, a great uh, place to be living on the beach. Uh, so. Of course, <laughs> an amazing place to be. Yeah, I get what you mean about the license as well with the male team. I think it's massive. We had that again. Like it, it seems like a running theme that a female team, sadly, kind of has to have a men's team behind it to succeed. But definitely, we've seen with Sampdoria this year. They, the female team have become massive. They're huge. You know, the facilities are great. From what I've seen, like, I don't know what it's like actually to be there, but from what I've seen, it's great. Like, No, yeah, obviously. Uh, I mean, we are in the training center of the men. Uh, we share wow. it with them, which is uh, obviously great. Uh, when I was in AC Milan, it was not that way. Uh, I mean, it, we still had a great facilities, uh, which is the academy. Uh, but now we're actually in, in the same place as, as a man team. So you can imagine you walk in and you have uh, all the, the big, very good cars. And I mean, you feel like you're in a, in a big place, um, So which, which is great. But yeah, whenever you were talking about the having men as a backup, obviously 
uh, it's all about the money. Uh, and if you have a, a men's team, a men's club, a huge club, that it's uh, part of the Serie A, um, in this case, obviously, you know, they, they can invest more and they can bring better players. Uh, we can have a better conditions. Uh, I mean, for example, last game, we flew to Rome uh, with the first team on a private jet. Uh, because wow. it happened that we both played uh, in in Rome uh, the same day, uh, which is I mean it's it's a, a big difference you know, um, which is it's it's very good that men's teams are picking up the the women's. Definitely, yeah, brilliant. No, it's so, really good to hear as well because I just wanted to know first of all. Uh, again, I do this all the time, and Millie, hopefully, will get onto it when I keep saying these kind of things. Just for the general audience, just for someone who doesn't know you, Dominica, what position do you play? How long have you been playing football? And how long have you been playing at Sampdoria for as well? Just so you can introduce a bit more to us as well. All right. So I'm a, a midfielder. Um, I can be a defensive or attacking. It doesn't really matter. Brilliant. Um, yeah, here I'm playing more uh, an attacking role. Uh, in national team, I'm playing more defensive. Yeah. Uh, I've been playing for... <sighs> many years <laughs> I started when I was five and now I'm 29 so you can count the years wow it's okay I, yeah. I'll, I'll say you don't look 29 just to keep the piece because eh, you honestly don't so it's pretty good um, obviously well. I always say I'm 33 so I don't know what you expect <laughs> <laughs> ah, but no I just wanted to know a bit more about how it was like growing up in um, Slovenia when you were playing as a, as a young girl as well because we've had a few people talk to us about how they didn't have many uh, role models growing up as well. So I just wanted to know if you had any role models growing up in football, um, in women's football even as well, and how you got into playing football, really. Uh, all right, so to finish your first question, uh, I've been here for uh, half of a year now. Yeah. Uh, I transferred in January. Uh, but yeah, to your second question, uh, well, I, was, I started when I was five, and uh, I mean, I was fortunate enough to have parents that uh, told me and my sister that we have to do something in the afternoons. You know, you can't just sit on the couch and watch TV all day. Uh, so I had a choice. Um, I needed to pick something. It could be a ballet or it could be any sport. Mm. And at that time, um, I wanted to be a, I wanted to play tennis, but my, my dad was uh, very honest with me and he said, you know, we don't have enough money because, I mean, he probably sensed that I wanted to do more than just, you know, playing a, a few years and, and that's it. So my second choice was football. Okay. And uh, at that time, uh, there was no women's team. Uh, and I joined uh, a boys club. The first year it was uh, kind of like an indoor uh, football club. So five versus five, if you can imagine, but playing outside. Wow. Uh, so kind of like small-sided. Definitely. And then uh, the next year... So the year came around and in the summer, my dad asked me again, like, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't want to continue there. I want to play a real football. <laughs> and uh, So you didn't want to become the next Katrina Strabotnik or anything like that either? So you didn't want to be the Well, like, well I, I, I would if I would have a chance, but <laughs> from again, though, there was no So goal. was it more about the opportunity or like because the cost of tennis is more expensive than football. Was it, was it one of those kind of reasons that you had? Yeah, kind of like my dad said, you know, like if you want to uh, play big, you know, we don't have the money to, to send you to the tournament outside of the country. 
Oh, okay. And, you know, obviously, as I don't know, I've never played tennis uh, professionally or even like as an amateur only a few times, but um, if you're a tennis player, you need a, your own coach. Yes. You know, or maybe you share with one or two or maybe three people, but no, it's not like, you know, 25 people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And because it's uh, an individual sport as well, you're relying on yourself all the time and you have to invest in yourself all the time as well. So. I understand oh, yeah, why going into football would have been a better option as well going forward. Oh, yeah, it's definitely cheaper, at least in mm. Slovenia. I don't know how it's in England, but, you know. No, it, it's like, I think that's like almost the norm in Europe as well for a lot of countries in terms of the fact you have to pay for your own courts, um, hiring sessions and stuff like that, your own coaches as well, your own equipment, which is really expensive compared to football equipment. All you need is boots and um, shoes, basically. Boots. Equipment. And a ball. Sometimes you don't even need the ball, Millie. You can just share the ball with your friend or just like use a, a football coaching as well. There's no, definitely... use a can. <laughs> don't use oh, a can. Yeah. It's, not, it's not good. It ruins your shoes. Don't use a can at all. <laughs> no, that's absolutely fine. Um, but no, thank you for explaining that, Dominique. It, mean, it means a lot to learn a bit more about how you could have gone one way, but you've gone another way as well. And it's worked out really well for you going this way at the same time, which is really nice. No, I mean, right now, like I'm happy that... It, it happened that way because obviously football is, is the biggest sport in the world and uh, yeah. I, it's obviously my favorite sport as well um, and just you know I just like to be part of the team it just brings so much more I feel like uh, in terms of all the dynamics you know all the relations or you know I think that for me right now I'm obviously 29 I still want to play as long as I can but uh, it's very interesting to see, you know, just from a psychological point of view, like how coaches are reacting, uh, how they're managing the teams, how we have to manage between yeah. us. And it's, it's very interesting. Have you been doing your coaching badges as well, Dominica? Have you been looking at going down that route as an avenue of, as a coach? Well, I have a UFRB coaching license. Already. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah I've done that. Uh, whenever I was in USA, I did my internship. Um, yeah. And at that time, it was Western Europe Flash. Uh, now it's uh, North Carolina, a professional uh, soccer club. Yeah. Uh, women's soccer. So I, I I was there. I've done that with them pretty much with the kids three, four years old to 16. So I have some experience, but not so much. No, that's, that's really good to hear. Because again, no. it, yeah, Millie, you were about to say something. Sorry. Um, I was going to say, North Carolina are massive, aren't they, over in the USA? They're a very big team. They're one of the biggest teams over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, I think they won. I don't know if they won last year, but uh, maybe a few years ago they won the, the league. And uh, obviously, if, if you know, like Sam Lewis or you know, those big players, uh, they're playing there or they used to play there. Uh, yes. I mean, whenever I was there in North Carolina, uh, I mean, in uh, Western Europe Flash, um, Abby, Dahlkemper, Sam Lewis, they're all Lucas. We started together pretty much. Wow. There. Yeah. That's brilliant. But that's, so you... another, that's another story. You know, I, I went there to do my internship and then I, I was <laughs> sending out the letters, like invitations to come and try out to the, the girls that were not uh, picked on the draft. And then I asked the coach, uh, Aaron, uh, I asked him if I can just train with the first team because I still wanted to play football. And mm -hmm. it was kind of like my plan also to get into their team. And he said, you know, we don't know if you're good enough. 
So you have to try out. So I tried out with the girl that I was sending my invitations to, and then I beat them and I made a team. But I couldn't stay because I never entered a draft. So that was a shame. Oh my God. So you actually played with those players as well? I, well, yeah, I trained with them for a few months. But then he That's said, you know, I, they couldn't roster me because if you are going to the college, university in USA, and you yeah. want to go to the pro, like play the pro league there, um, you have to enter the draft. And I was on a small college, UT Martin in Tennessee. So nobody went pro. So my coach never told me, hey, by the way, you need to enter the draft if you want to, you know, just try out for a professional team. So I never yeah. entered the draft. I was picked and I was training with them. But then they said, you know, we can't roster you. You can stay here. You can coach and train with us. And then we should do it next year. But I just, you know, it was pretty much the entire summer. And I, I decided to go back to Europe and just play here. Yeah. It's brilliant that you've had experience playing with people like that and in an environment like that in general. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I find it crazy as well. Like, Don't you think that you've gone to so many different countries at this point in your career anyway? just to develop your own self and to put yourself a bit further and to push yourself to the highest of levels. And you're not even breaking the, the entry point as well because you have to learn about the culture of the USA. You have to learn about the ways that they go about things with their draft system. Because again, if I was your age at that same time, I wouldn't know you have to enter into a draft as well. So the fact you ended up having to do that, it's incredible really, the way that you put that. I mean, yeah, like, uh, you know, a lot of times I told my, my parents, oh, why am I not born, like, in England or Germany or whatever, you know? And it's just so much easier in a way because, for example, you're born in London, you have Chelsea, Arsenal, you know, you go yeah. to Germany, you know, obviously it's many more girls and it's harder to make it, but you are in the system. So it's easier, but when I look at, from a different perspective right now, I'm happy that, you know, I was born in Slovenia because uh, from a perspective of personal growth, oh my gosh, like, it's crazy. You know, it's, I've learned so much. I've, I'm a pretty much a completely different person then. Mm. Uh, not just 10 years ago, but just a year ago, for example. Yeah. Just tell us a little, just expand on that a little bit more. So you were born in Slovenia and you were raised in Slovenia. But then was America the first time you left home, the first time you went abroad? How was that experience? Like, how did you settle into university in a completely different country, a completely different culture and language as well? Well, you know, um, <laughs> when I was 12, uh, from so pretty much from 6 to 12, I was playing with boys. When I was 12, they told me like, oh, because of the rules, you're not going to play with boys anymore. So... I needed to find a women's club. Unfortunately, at that point, uh, one was formed, but imagine girls 14 to 40, all playing on the same team. Uh, I've been playing for years at that point already, and then there were some girls who came and never took the ball before, all on the same pitch, same training. So obviously that was very bad. Um, so at that point, I started to train by myself. Uh, and well, I ended up playing for that women's team in my city because there was nothing else. Um, but then after that, I went to the, the best team at that time in Slovenia to play a Champions League qualifications for them. And we qualified. So I think I was 16 or 17. That was my first time playing Champions League. 
uh, we went to Sweden. Uh, we played against Linköping at that point. <laughs> they smashed us. Obviously, a huge difference. <laughs> but then um, it was the year between the third year of the high school and the fourth year, so the summer. Uh, and my coach at that time, he asked me, so what do you want to do after you're done with high school? And I said, well, I just want to go to the sports uh, university in Slovenia because I didn't know anything else. And he said, you know, my brother, he went to USA and he played football there. Do you want to, you know, do something like that? And obviously, you know, like I was down for it. The minute he said it, uh, we sat down, we spoke about it. He said, you know, what we have to do. And uh, we pretty much, we made a video. We sent it to, I think, 300 or 400 schools in USA. And then they replied. This is how it went. And I went there and my English sucked. Like pretty much I needed to study very hard. And then on the top of that, I needed to cheat <laughs> in order to like go through my high school with English. Um, and you couldn't also, speak English? No, I, I was very bad. Like literally like very bad. Wow. Yeah, like so great from one to five. So one being the lowest, five being the best. I was making it with two. So two was like passing. So <laughs> those were my grades in high school uh, in English. So when I decided to go there, I had to pass two exams, like English grammar and uh, SIT and TOEFL, the two names. And on the first one, I remember going there. And I, I studied. It wasn't like I was lazy. I studied, but I still couldn't get it. Um, <laughs> I went there, so, and we were, like, it was just multiple choice questions. And uh, we had two different tests. And I figured out that the girl in front of me, she has the same test as me. And then on the first break, I asked her, like, listen, are, are you going to play any sports or anything? She's like, no, no, I'm just going to study, you know, and he was saying, I was like, oh, great. So this one, she has to know English, <laughs> you know? So I explained her in a minute and a half, like that I need her help and why I need her help. And like, she helped me and this is how I passed my, my exam to, to go to study in USA. No so how did you communicate with your teammates? Well, the first six months, it was, I was miserable. It was hard. So imagine you're new, like you're from a different continent, like everybody wants to like talk to you, but it's just, I would just, I mean, obviously I was improving very fast because I was just thrown into the environment where nobody spoke my, uh, my language and I needed to speak English. Uh, so yeah, I needed like half a year of just studying and playing football, uh, no social life. And then when I went home in December, I cried. I didn't want to go back. But obviously, you know, like uh, my parents, like they made so much effort. Like my, my dad got two jobs in order to be able to pay just the, the flights, you know, to USA and all that. So I just couldn't let them down. And I went back and from that point on, like everything was open. You know, it's just kind of like I broke through that barrier and it was the best time of my life. That That's sounds brilliant. Nothing, sounds nothing short of incredible. It's a Thank you for telling us that, first of all, because that's a really tough story to kind of listen to in terms of, I think Millie and I can kind of relate in terms of like from our parents or grandparents coming over to a different country to work or to learn a different language as well. 
but you had to do it on a time limit at the same time. You had to go over to study there and you had to learn about it all within a couple of years, which is truly incredible, Dominique. I, I applaud you seriously because there's a lot to kind of do at the same time compared to just because a lot of people don't know this. You have to then learn how to think in the other language. You then have to learn how to order food in another language or look at different ways of like directions in another language as well. So it's really difficult. And it's probably at the time when Google Translate or um, technology wasn't as great as it was at the time. So you have to kind of do this manually all by yourself as well. And it's it's fascinating really how you've done that and you prevailed. And instead of quitting after six months when you went back, you went back and you prevailed as well. So really well done, Dominique. That's, that's really nice to hear. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, if you can imagine, the, the, the biggest thing was I went straight to school, you know. Uh, a lot of guys that come from... Uh, different places also you know they they're put into the english classes first there but i went straight into the the normal routine normal classes so i was i remember i had history my first semester and <laughs> the teacher had a powerpoint but obviously she was speaking at the same time and you know so i, I just i couldn't you know i couldn't follow the, the couldn't make notes anything so i had to borrow the notes from uh the girl that was sitting next to me and it was just it was a lot of work and just reading 20 pages of a history book for five questions on a quiz and it took me ages <laughs> so yeah yeah it's, uh, it's crazy it's, it's tough but, but you know what I was gonna say imagine if you didn't go back imagine if you would have just said no I'm not going back I don't like it and you never went back and then look at all this thing, all these things, all these places you've been to, all these experiences, experiences you've had because you went back. So I've, no, just, you know, I've just translated my screen to Slovenian and I'm, even I'm struggling with reading this as well. So the fact that you have to kind of do this in English as well, the interview in English as well, is still something that you have to then think about in a different language. And just like Millie said, it's incredible how everything's just opened up going forward because of one little thing one little decision really um if you made it or you didn't make it all kind of went from that decision no yeah definitely i mean you know when, when you go through that then you realize that there is nothing that can stop you definitely. like I, I literally i felt like and i still feel like unstoppable you know whatever i can think of uh, if i truly truly want it then i can achieve that you know uh, and it's not just that story. I had many other stories as well that prove that. But it, you really feel like that after. Don't worry. We're, we're, we're here for the stories, Dominica. So if you want to tell us another story, we're all is, honestly, because that was great. <laughs> Did you think that was like a turning point in your career then? The American I mean, thing? Did it, it push you to kind of excel more, to kind of push on and go for those big teams? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a turning point, not just from the, the football perspective, but just myself as well, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, when you go there, you realize how close-minded you are. Mm -hmm. uh, so as far as the personal stuff, uh, it just kind of opened the whole, the whole thing for me. Just a simple thing like you're going to class, and then in that one class, you have people who just finished the training and didn't have time to shower, so they, they're sweating, they're sitting. Then you have another one who just woke up and is there, like, sitting literally in the pajamas. And then the third person who is sitting in a suit. And nobody judges 
nobody. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's just it's normal. They don't even look at each other. You know, and before that in Slovenia, if somebody would just have a wrong socks on, like you would say, Oh, look at that person, you know. Really? Uh, yeah. So you know, like you become very open minded and just like there's nothing that it's not normal, you know, or I say like we're all like a little bit weird in a sense. Mm-hmm. Weird is the best way, right? Yep. I like it. Definitely. Why would you say that about Slovenia as well? Do you think it's because Slovenia is small or like? I would say I would say that just uh, you know now when I'm I've been in different countries it's everywhere is the same you know until people actually go outside of their comfort zone outside of their culture you know they don't rec- recognize that you know how close-minded they are you know and it's you know you can't really blame them either because that's all they see you know mm-hmm. that's all they know uh so when they go out they see oh wow somebody like doesn't eat dinner at nine o'clock in the evening you know somebody mm-hmm. eats at six and it's also normal <laughs> so it's it's not just Slovenia it's it's everywhere I think yeah you're right 100% no I agree with it 100% I disagree with it personally but yeah go on why do you disagree with it what do you mean why do I disagree you, you know this or Dominique will know that basically like you shouldn't really feel intimidated or pressured by what other people think of you or what you have to do. Um, only if it benefits you in a certain way. Amelia and I have talked about this before, Dominique, about the fact yeah. that we have our own... When, when you're in your own space, when you end up moving out, for example, from your parents' home and you're living by yourself and you do things that you feel are better for you, why do you have to then agree to what someone else thinks is right or thinks is wrong? Because you could end up doing things that are better for you. So, for example, uh, this week... Um, so I've signed up with a personal trainer for the first time in my life. So I'm learning a bit more about how I can look after my body um, with a nutritionist as well. We're learning more about how I can look after it off um, the field when I'm not playing football or anything like that. And I find it fascinating because it's another way of looking at it as opposed to, oh, I'm just going to play football. I'm going to play fo- sports for the rest of the summer and get back into shape like I was a couple of months ago before Ramadan started as well. But when you have your own kind of presence in your own sense of mind as well, and Millie talks about it the other day, about individualism as well. Um, we were talking about it on another episode, but it's basically just about when you're thinking in your own space, what's beneficial for you, then it's absolutely fine because it doesn't really matter what anyone else says because you're only upsetting their opinion of you as opposed to your opinion of you. And at the end of the day, what's more important, your opinion of you or someone else's opinion of you? That is true. I absolutely agree. But how many people are actually like that? How many people dare to be them, truly authentic them? And how many people are still, you know, running in their own programs and, you know, they don't even know and they're just trying to, you know, like uh, be likable, you know, and, and they do things in order for people to approve them. You know, it's, it's still, it's a problem, I think, you know. I think it's more important to be likable to yourself because you can't be someone who everyone else likes as opposed to someone who you don't like. And I've, I've said this as well to Millie, that if you do things that anyone else doesn't really like, but you like it, wh- why is it a bad thing for you? For example, um, yeah, for example, for me, I would say that I'm a really big fan of watching um, documentaries on Netflix, for example, animal documentaries. I love watching it. I love learning about it. For some people, it's not what they like enjoying on a Friday night or a Saturday night. They like to go out. They like to go to like a bar or something and socializing. But for me, I'd rather stay inside and just spend time watching a bit of nature and learning something as well another example is when people are driving and they're listening to music i prefer listening to podcasts i.e the beautiful mind game podcast with me 
yourself and Millie on the podcast as well, which will happen in the future. But it's just one of those things that when you enjoy things that you want to do, why is it wrong and why is it a bad thing? Unless it's illegal or, or sinister, it, it shouldn't be something where someone else then says, oh, you're doing this wrong or you're not enjoying things at the same time as what we are doing. It, it doesn't make sense to me personally. And especially when you're not a child anymore, when you're living in your own uh, space, when you're paying your own bills, when you've got your own time with your own family, your own friends, why, why would it make sense to anyone else but you? And who can be you but you at the end of the day? That's how I see it, personally. No, I think I absolutely agree with uh, your mindset about it. It's just like what I'm saying. It's just the fact that, you know, so many people are just afraid to not be accepted oh. or liked or whatever, you know, and they, they just need that sense of approval that they end up doing something that they don't like. Or Definitely. it's hard for them to go out of their comfort zone. You know, so this is also why they don't even try anything different. Mm-hmm. Personal, personal think- growth is outside of the comfort zone as well. It's like you said earlier, the fact that, are oh, you wish you were from Germany or the USA or England? You should be, I know you are proud of being Slovenian, but the fact that, unfortunately, that is a mindset for a lot of people when they think, oh, if I was born in a different area, I could have been a different person because you're a product of your environment. But you didn't accept that, Dominika. You actually accepted, you know what, I'm going to be better than what I can be or what people think I can be. And here you are, literally, you're playing for teams that people all over the world would be dreaming of playing from the likes of Valencia, AC Milan, Sampdoria, Espanyol, obviously, as well, and Malaga. Really big teams in not just European football, but world football as well. And you've had that shirt on your back saying, you know what, I've represented these teams. I played in these stadiums. I played in these big arenas as well. And you played for your national team as well. So the fact that you didn't listen to what other people were saying and you listened to yourself at the same time, I know you said it was about more or less other people, but to reflect it back onto you, it's a really big, really big thing what you've just done and, and how you've done it over, over your footballing career so far. And you're not even finished. You've still got another, what, five, six years left of your career, maybe more than that. So fair play to yourself and really well done, Dominica. Nicely done. Thank you very much. You're always <laughs> welcome, honestly. Definitely. From my point of view, like the biggest thing is to believe in yourself, as cliche as it sounds. It's, that's the biggest thing. And I think you're right, Dominica. A lot of people don't, quite sadly nowadays, a lot of people don't, and they do get stuck in their ways. But I think there's so much opportunity to kind of go and see the world, go and explore different cultures, different languages, because it does change your mind. We were saying, we've said quite a few times on this episode about me actually going to Italy and learning Italian and like being alone in the middle of nowhere in the northern Italy do you know what I mean it was it was very difficult and I did struggle especially being in a team where not many people could speak English um and yeah I think that having got through that I definitely grew I definitely added another few strings to my bow let's put that analogy in (laughs) definitely it makes you grow as a person um can I just spin this around a second? I want to know about these teams you've played for. It took me like 10 minutes to reel off the amount of places you've been to in the intro. So tell us a little bit about these teams you've been to. Tell us a little bit about, you know, your experiences at them in the different countries. To make it easier, we'll start from just one team at a time. So if you can start with when you're playing... We'll be here all day, Hans. No, exactly. That's what I'm saying. If we start from Espanol and Malaga, so when you're playing in Spain, that's a whole new country for you to play in, a whole new culture, a whole new environment and a whole new language for you to learn as well. 
Because that was over well, two, maybe three years, wasn't it, Dominica, that you were there? Yeah, well, I think maybe it's better if I start when I actually signed my first uh, professional contract, and that was in Denmark. Yes. Fortuna Yori. So that was, that was my first club. And um, so after I was done in USA, I decided to come back. I played uh, a year here in Slovenia, and then I decided to go out. Uh, and, you know, obviously during that year, I went for tryouts uh, in Germany, England, you know, and at many times I was just told, no, you're not good enough, you know. But obviously that was not really acceptable answer for me. <laughs> so I, just, I kept trying. And in the end, what I did is I pretty much went through my list of every single person that I met in USA uh, and is playing here in Europe and just contacted them and asked them if they can pretty much put me in contact with their coach. I just want to come for a trial. Um, so the girl from Denmark, uh, Camilla Kuhl, uh, we met in uh, Western Europe Clash. She was playing there. So I, I wrote her at that time, she was back in Yorin already. And uh, she said, yeah, yeah, obviously I'm, I'm gonna just ask uh, our coach if you can come. And in a week, pretty much, I was already in Denmark uh, for a three day tryout. Uh, they pretty much took me in. They were happy with me, offered me a contract. And that's how it started. Uh, and it, it was just, again, just uh, persistence, you know, just, you know, not, not taking uh, that no for, for, yeah, that's, that's who I am and I'm not capable of playing a professional football. So um, there, first half of the year was great. I played. And then um, in January, so in first half of the year, we played the Champions League as well. And uh, nice. Yeah, we, we we had a really good team at the time. Uh, those girls, we are now all playing in a, a different big... How uh, many teams were in the Champions League at that time? Because I know it's grown over the years for women's football, but how many players, how many teams were playing at that time? Oh, that's, a, that's a really good question. Uh, I think, I don't know how much, like how many teams it was at the time, but the difference was that pretty much whenever you made a Champions League, it was a direct uh, game with an opponent. So you played at home and you played away. And that was it. There was no group stage. Um, but because Fortuna uh, Yori was making a Champions League every single year, pretty much, we had a very good, uh, whatever it's called, the, the FIFA or UEFA coefficient. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So we went straight in. Uh, so the first game was against Atletico Bilbao. Atletico uh, Bilbao at that time, uh, the Spanish league was not as good as it is now, no, but still they have. Uh, we played in San Memes, which was which is a men's stadium. It was mm. ten thousand people. It was a very good experience. Like the the well, now I've played uh, in front of more people, but at that time it was like huge for me. Yeah. Um, so that was the first game we we went through, and then the next game we played against Brescia, which was uh, at that time Italy the biggest club, um, the, or at least the most important one. And that Brescia then became AC Milan. <laughs> uh, so we won against them as well, and we made the quarterfinals, uh, and that was Manchester City. 
Um, and what happened was that Manchester City was in March. So uh, we came back from the break in January and my coach sit me and another girl down and he said, you know, um, you are not in the starting 11 for a City game yet, but you are very close. You can still make it. Well, at that time, I was not in the personal growth. I didn't know anything about energies, anything, uh, the power of thoughts, whatever. So uh, what I did was, oh, my gosh, like, how can he tell me on the beginning of January that I'm not going to play in March, you know? So pretty much my response was very negative. And because of that, you know, playing, playing a victim and playing, uh, you know, and pretty much judging him, I took myself out. And the other girl was with me there sitting at that point and listening to the same words. She took an opposite way. She worked her ass off and she started. And I ended up watching ball games from the bench. And I remember standing on that Man City uh, stadium after the game and just watching uh, the pitch. And I said, you know, like, I'll come back stronger and I'll never, I'm never going to take myself out again, just with my thoughts. And this was the start of my personal growth. Uh, and it, at that time, it looked like the worst experience ever, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, so it was a start of me working on myself, but obviously that doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> Um, do you think it was better that it happened to you when you were a lot younger as well because it set you in the right mentality going forward in your career as well so you learned it really early in your career when you're moving oh, yeah, forward you've always got to remember that moment as well I mean I feel like you're never too young to learn those things so it would be even better if I would be taught <laughs> you know but uh, even at that age uh, thank God because I still have so many years ahead of me and helped me uh, afterwards a lot um, so I started to to work on myself uh, I didn't have many resources I didn't know how but like I just started to read some books and then uh, a friend of mine that we used to train together he reached out of, like to me and he just you know, pretty much started talking about those things uh, so he ended up helping me and at that point uh, he asked me like are you happy there? And I was like, well, no, I'm not happy anymore. So what do we want to do? And I said, I want to play in Spain. Where in Spain? In Barcelona. So I just, I think it was maybe April where I decided I'm just going to play in Spain next year. And imagine I didn't know language. I didn't know anyone in Spain. And I had no clue how I'm going to get there. Again, uh, for the second time round. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, what I did, I started to learn Spanish with the app called Duolingo. Just nice. you know, yeah, and I just I just kept working, just kept training, and with Fortuna. And then <laughs> it was May, and my friend, very good friend from home, she called me and she was like, "Oh, do you want to go to Barcelona with us for a vacation?" You know, just her and a few other friends. And when I asked her when that is, like, she said a certain dates, and I said, oh, gosh, I can't. You know, like, at that time, I'm already, like, in the full training for coming back next season because I still had 
uh, another half of a year with Fortuna. So half of the new season. Uh, and she was like, all right, just if you change your mind, just let us uh, know. And <laughs> for some reason, it just, you know, it, it didn't go out of my head. And uh, like a week before they left, that was in, I think it was end of June or beginning of July. She was, I, I asked her like, oh, like, you know, I don't know. I, still, I maybe want to come with you. And she said, you know, we have an apartment. Just come if you want. Um, so I bought a plane ticket a few days before. My dad took me from the beach. We were with the family on the beach, on the vacation, um, where I was still training. Uh, there to the airport, and I flew to Barcelona. And I said, you know, if I'm already there, I'm just, I'm just not going for a vacation. I'm going to find somebody. I'm going to make contacts. And I'm going to find the club for me. So obviously at that point, I still don't know anyone from there. And what I did, I thought, okay, I'm just going to sleep somewhere, you know, those Airbnb, just, you know, just to meet Spanish people. So I downloaded an app and I saw that in different cities, you can find a different activities. For example, if you go to Barcelona, you can, I don't know, uh, learn how to cook paella, different things. So among those things, it was playing playing football on the beach with locals and tourists. So I said, all right, I'll, I'm just going to do that. So I booked that. I went there and I didn't tell anyone <laughs> that I'm playing football. You know, I just showed up and we played. It was a guy from London, like two, a guy and a girl from Australia, just everywhere, you know, in the world. And then obviously they figured out that I can play football. So they asked me, I told them like, I do play professionally. And um, the guy that was organizing the tournament invited me for another tournament that was next day um, at the fields, at the pitches of, of Barcelona. So FC Barcelona, wow. the street from Camp Nou, they had an amateur tournament so he invited me to go and play there. So obviously I showed up the next day, again, not knowing anyone, still not being able to, to say a word in Spanish. Um, and I played, I started with the team, just a very bad team. I played the, it was pretty much all the girls that were working for the tournament, where they were not even football players. And they had their own team. So I played with them and after the first game, uh, the other team came to me and asked me if I want to play for them as well. So I ended up playing for them as well. We made it to the final. In the final, we played against the, the young talents, talents of uh, Catalonia. So all the girls from different clubs, like uh, Espanol, Barcelona, whatever, all that, you know, just the young girls. And uh, the coach was a, a coach of the second team in Espanol. Mm-hmm. So after the, after the game, I talked to him. Well, he was, he talked. He was speaking Spanish. I was speaking English, and we managed to. I managed to explain to him like one girl helped uh, that I just want to come and play football in, in without Spanish. Google Translate. And, oh yeah, without. Like, wow. It was she was she kind of spoke English and she just translated. Um, yeah. So um, I. I had his uh, contact 
And I said, I explained that I still have a half a year in Denmark, so I can come in January. Um, so anyway, I now I had somebody who is in Barcelona in the women's football. I went back home, back to Denmark, and it was our last game, the friendly game. It was against uh, a Norwegian team. And after the game, the coach came to me and he said, you know, the Norwegian team wants you. Like, you know, Fortuna is kind of changing their mindset. Like, they're not very keen on foreigners anymore. And I don't think they're going to extend your contract mm -hmm. uh, because they already didn't want to extend the like two contracts, the girl that is playing for Juventus now and some others so pretty much a good players and they just wanted to save money, didn't want to extend contracts. Uh, he said, so if you want, like, you can go there now because I think it's better for you. So I said, you know, like, okay, can I go somewhere else as well? And he said, well, I think you can. So that was Saturday after the game and I texted that girl who was translating And I said, can I come for a tryout? And she said, can you come on Monday? I said, well, on Monday I can because we had a first game. Uh, I don't know why it was on Monday, but it was on Monday. So the first league game and after the game, you know, the coach let me go. So I flew there on Tuesday. They had a friendly game because the league started later. Uh, Espanol against, I don't know who we played. I played that game and on the way there, The coach from Fortuna was still texting me like, listen, like that team Varlenga from Norway, they want you like, and the transfer period ends next day at midnight. Wow. And I said, listen, I have the training with them at nine o'clock at night. It's a friendly game. So I can tell you after that. So I got there, I played that game and I said to them, listen, like you need to tell me either you want me or you don't but I need to know right now because the other team is waiting and we have one hour left. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they uh -huh. said, yeah, 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 we want you. So pretty much next day on the Thursday, it was a terrorist attack in Barcelona. So yeah, and then oh, right and yeah, and that day I went to sign my contract in the club, flew back on Friday and then Monday I was already going back to Barcelona. So that's, that's how I came to Spain <laughs> that sounds very I don't know stressful but insane like yeah. it just shows that your hard work paid off you knew something wasn't right and you just went for it do you know what I mean oh. I mean I think it just shows that like whenever you really want to do something and you mm -hmm. work for it and you believe in it like the universe will help you definitely definitely and I can 100% back that if you believe that it's going to help you as well Yeah, obviously. You know, it's going to give you the circumstances and, you know, events and just synchronicities. So, but you obviously, you know, you can't sit on the couch and just be like, oh, I want to play for Barcelona and don't do anything, you know? Yeah. So, so you played for Espanyol and then you went to Malaga and from yeah. Malaga you went to AC Milan, right? Yeah. And then in AC Milan you basically blew up. Like those yeah. two seasons in AC Milan from what I can see, were pinnacle. Like, you had you had a blast. Tell us a little bit about the AC Milan era. Also, yeah, you well, scored some amazing goals when you were at AC Milan as well, so that, that, was, that was really fun <laughs> to watch amazing, some of those goals. Right? Ridiculous goals. And if anyone's listening to this and you want to learn more about Dominica, 
just search her on YouTube and just type in AC Milan after, AC Milan after that. And you'll see some incredible goals, especially um, against Inter Milan and some of them as well. So everyone listening, if you want to finish this podcast and then go and search for it, believe me, you'll enjoy it. It's such good fun watching back. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a fun story as well. Um, pretty much, I was in Malaga and we dropped out of the league. So I was on a bad team. They were a very young team and uh, uh, they just got promoted. I went there and uh, pretty much just to obviously to get minutes and to to show myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so we dropped out of the league and then I went straight to AC Milan. Uh, but it was also, you know, because uh, it was just my belief. I just felt like, no, it's time. You know, I just want to play for a big club and just want to, you know, uh, be part of that. And um, so were Espanyol and Malaga not big clubs in Spain then, in the women's side? Or no, no, they, yes and no. You know, the problem was that, for example, in Espanyol, now it's different, obviously. But at that time, you were still training at 8.30 at night. You know, it was not professional. Uh, it was, you know, we were the last one there. Yeah. Everyone else, like before us and then us. So I just didn't want to be part of that, you know, because it, it's just draining, you know, when you have to wait all day. And obviously they didn't pay me very good either. So I had to work on top of that there. I worked in a school uh, in Barcelona. Yeah, no, I, I understand that now. It's just the you fact know, so that, yeah. I mean, as a men's club, there are big clubs, and also Espanol is has a very good, like, very long tradition of a uh, women's team mm. as well, but it was just not professional, you know. Um, yeah, that's what I didn't really understand, but thank you for clarifying that yeah. for us. Yeah, no, sorry. Like it, you can carry on with the Ace of Land story. Yeah, so pretty much so. Uh, I was at home again, just training. Uh, preparing for whatever is happening but I was decided I said you know I'm not accepting anything less um, and then AC Milan pretty much said to me I think two yeah twice they said no to me already uh, well to my agent and then uh, it happened that <laughs> two of the girls the the midfielders that were starters in AC Milan decided to leave like just before the, the preseason was about to start. So I was kind of like a last minute option. Um, and my agent gave a word for me pretty much that, you know, uh, she's not going to disappoint. So I went there and I was just, you know, for me, it was just a huge opportunity. And I didn't see anything else, but I just want to prove that I'm good enough to be here. And, you know, I just need to give my best. And, um, yeah, that was pretty much it. I worked very hard. Uh, and then the results just came. And I, I think it was pretty much all the years before that it just paid off. Uh, was not expecting that at all. Uh, uh, yeah, but it, it just happened. I was in a very high frequency, put it that way. <laughs> I mean, we've talked a lot about mentality and mindset on this podcast, Dominica, but wasn't there like a, a little bit of a, a child inside of you who's like, you know what, I get to play for AC Milan. I have the opportunity to work at one of the biggest clubs in the world, not even just in men's football, but in women's football as well. Did you have that inside of you when you were there, like pinching yourself, having that moment thinking, oh, wow, look where I am. Look at the players that have been here before. Look at the women players I'm playing with now as well. Because 
at the end of the day, I know football is a job for some people and some people do it for the passion, but you've got to enjoy it. Do you, I, this is a question for both of you, actually, Millie and for Dominique. When you're in the moment, do you get that opportunity to enjoy playing football? Or is it more, oh, it's the job. I've got to get results for the manager. I've got to do this for my own performance. How do you both kind of see that? Because for me, as, as an outsider, I'd always be like, oh, well, I'm at AC Milan. This is incredible. I'm going to buy everyone AC Milan shirts back home and send it back to them as well. I'm going to see if I can meet some of the men players as well, meet Maldini, all of that. That's how I see it from the outside. But as players for the both of you, how do you see that when you're in the professional environment, when you are at these top clubs in England and in um, and Italy respectively as well? Dominique, I want to start with you just so you can explain that. Great question, us. Hans, by the way. I always <laughs> ask great questions. Amazing question. No, I mean, definitely. it's. Uh, I knew it's huge. But, you know, you don't really realize how big it is until people from the outside start to, you know, say like, oh, wow, you know, because when you kind of like when you're part of this, obviously, in the beginning, it was wow, like I probably I, I woke up with a smile on my face and, you know, no matter what will happen, I will still be happy, <laughs> you know, and probably that energy also attracted everything that happened afterwards that season, you know. Because it's just, you know, whatever you're giving, you're getting. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, sometimes you just need to pause and just be like, oh, wow, you know, it is a big deal. Um, and definitely there are times that you don't realize it at all. And sometimes you start to take it for granted also. I think but is it I'm, more about, it's more, the question I had was, do you get to have fun? Do you get to enjoy being there? Or is it more you're, you're fully focused because you're at a bigger club? That's what I kind of wanted to know in terms of, are you are you enjoying yourself a lot more? Is what I would I'm say yes and no. Uh, I think it depends to the degree how much, how free you are inside yourself, you know, because the more, uh, let's say, garbage or baggage or whatever you want to call it, you have inside of you, like the more blocked you are, if you know what I'm trying to say, the like least you are enjoy it. So the more free you are, the more you're kind of like, because, you know, it's one thing getting there, but the other thing is like, oh my gosh, like I need to stay here. No, I can't go back or, you know, all these things. And this is where the free, like fear comes, like starts to come in. And uh, this kind of like happened to me the second season, uh, you know, because now it's not like, Oh, like, you know, I came in, I'm an outsider. Nobody expects anything from me. I can yeah. just be free, just give my best and whatever happens, happens. No, no, no people, they have expectations, you know, and not just people, I have expectations. So I started every single game. I played great, you know, like I scored goals. And now what happens? If scored I some amazing goals as well, by the way, some incredible <laughs> goals that. Yeah, and then you know, the builders of any generation would be proud of <laughs> things. But now the second season rolls around, and you're like, oh wow, you know, like now I need to be even better, you know. And what happened to me was like I didn't really take a break, which was a mistake during the summer. Hmm. I just wanted to work even more and give even more, you know. And then my body just crushed at some point. But yeah, it's it's kind of answer to your question is. It depends how free you are inside of yourself. 
Millie, would you that. agree? Yeah, as I say, Millie, your time. I second that, definitely. I think that you definitely hit the nail on the head with you've got to be free, kind of, to explain that a little bit further, you've got to be free with who you are and how you present yourself to others. Like, I think that it, you, we've got to remember that women's football is so fickle. Like, again, as sad as it is, it is very fickle. So one year you could be there, one year you might not be there again. Do you know what I mean? So you've got to, yeah, enjoy it while you can. But if you're not on the pitch playing, that's the one thing we want. For me personally, that's the one thing I want. No matter where I play, I want to be on that pitch playing. So if I'm playing for, I don't know, Chelsea, and I'm sat on the bench, like, it's brilliant. But I think that, obviously, I want to be on that pitch playing. Do you know what I mean? And I think that, yeah... Again, I agree with both. Yay, we can enjoy enjoy it. So there's parts of the season where we can all have a laugh together and we can enjoy it. But then definitely there's so much pressure with being a professional as well. Especially, for example, there's so many situations. But for example, if you're a team that's trying to stay in the league and you're not quite getting there, it puts a lot of pressure on you. As an individual, as a team, all together you feel pressured. Even when you switch off from football and you come away from training, it's your life. You live it day by day, 24-7, you know, and that's what really gets to you. So, yeah, it's amazing. But then at the same time, it's situational. It comes with the situational uh, factors, if you get what I mean. I get Oh, yeah. I mean, you can can enjoy it, but for example, like you said, 24-7, I have a beach across the street. I pretty much live on the beach right now. But, you know... I need to think how much time I can actually spend on that beach because if I'm there too much, you know, like next day I'm going to be tired, mm-hmm. you know, for example. So that's enjoying life outside of the uh, the lines of the, the football pitch. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, uh, there is a pressure of results. Like Mili said, if you don't, if you're not playing, if you're sitting on the bench, obviously you're not happy, you know. So you can enjoy, but at the same time, you need to be very responsible and you need to do things right. Otherwise, like the higher the level, the easier you, you're thrown out of the, the starting yeah. level, for example. Definitely. Right. And it's, it's what you want to get out of it as well. It's what you as a player want to get out of it. So you might be someone who is happy to live a good life in, I don't know, it was Italy was brilliant. So we'll use that example, live in Italy and eat loads of like mozzarella or whatever. And you might be happy playing in, I don't know, a lower league, let's say, that might be you and you might be happy, content with that. I definitely will be in a few years, in my retirement years, that would be me. (laughs) But right now, in the midst of my career, for me personally, I want to get to the best place possible for me. So yeah, I've I've got to enjoy it. I've got to enjoy it for one, but definitely the pressure's on as well. No, I I get that. Yeah, priorities right there as well. Thank you very much, both of you. That was really well put. And it's just put to bed a lot of people's um, misconceptions about football for male footballers and female footballers, that football is just a job or you don't get to play like you've got your heart on your sleeve. But obviously you do, but it's 24 hours a day. It's not just 90 minutes a week, which is what I understood from there as well. So thank you very much for that, uh, both of you as well. Dominica, before we wrap up the podcast, Millie and I normally ask quick fire questions. And we just want to know a bit more about um, I'll have some random ones because I tend to have random ones as well. Millie will have the more sophisticated ones. But <laughs> just to start off, um, Dominica, can you name me the three best players you have played against, rather for your national side or for your club sides, for any club sides? Oh, shoot. That's, uh, 
the best players, definitely one of them is uh, Cascarino, Cascarino, named Leon. Yeah. Uh, well, Renard, uh, Catoto, those are just the, the recent ones, the last game against France. Uh, mm. But then obviously I played against Alexia, she's the best player in the world, played against her a few times. But when did you, we play did you, against her? I was going to say, did you get to play against Millie? Uh, I did. I, I was gonna. <laughs> yeah, I believe you that. didn't put me in that list. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. I, I should have messaged you privately to say Millie. Her face would have been such yeah. a fun reaction to that. But no, I'm uh, sorry. You you were saying. Um, where oh, did yeah. you play against Well, Alexia is obviously right now more currently uh, the best player in the world, and um, she plays for Barcelona, Barcelona, right? Yeah, against uh, I played against Barcelona quite a few times. So. Uh, we we marked each other, so I know her very well. <laughs> Fantastic, and just from myself as well. Where did you enjoy your best football previously? So we're not really talking about Sampdoria because you play for them. We don't want to we don't want to be disrespectful to them. But in your previous clubs, Valencia, AC Milan, Malaga, Espanyol, from these four clubs, if you could rank them one to four of where you played your best football personally, um, what would they be and why? Oh, definitely. My first season in AC Milan was the best. So AC Milan the best at the top. In my career, yeah, yeah, mm. definitely. And then you've um, got Malaga, Espanol, and Valencia. Where would you rank the last three? Uh, well, then I would go with Valencia because we did play a, a nice football. Uh, yeah. I didn't play really my position there, so I didn't enjoy it that much. But we played a good football. Brilliant. And then um, probably Espanol, and then Malaga because Malaga we were just young and mostly defending and that's not fun <laughs> fantastic and one last thing from me before I move on to Millie's quick five questions how far do you think Slovenian football can go with someone like yourself in football I don't know what Millie's doing but um, it's, just, it's just a question but basically that was how... my question okay. come on we'll do it together that was no. my question <laughs> how could you just have one question when you've got Dominique on the podcast okay. don't that's worry. fine you can think of another one but basically how far do you think Slovenian football not just men's football or women's football but football in general can move when you've got such role models in, in the game so far as well how, do you, how far do you think it can go over the next 10 years for example I mean I'm going to go with the, the women's side yeah. and um, unfortunately we don't have much support there yeah. uh, when it comes to the to the association I have to say that I told them in the face as well, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a sad thing. But you know, the good thing is that there's many of us that are playing in the, in the good leagues now, mm. and uh, we have uh, in those qualifications for the World Cup uh, 2023 again in Australia and New Zealand. Brilliant. We have two games left, um, and the last, well, the second of these two is against Wales. There. And this game is going to decide who's going to the, the extra qualifiers for the World Cup. So, I mean, I think we, we, are, we can definitely make it. So Nice. You can I've get Millie like, a ticket as well for that as well. Definitely yeah. get me a ticket. So I mean, go, yeah. Definitely. You can go to see you in Wales. Come? It's a I shame I'm not Slovenia. Welsh. <laughs> well, you'll be it's supporting Slovenia, so it'll be fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why would you support oh. Wales? Well, because I didn't list her first. Oh, no. No, no, it's yeah. fine. That was just a poor joke from me. But no, sorry. Um, that was the kind of questions I had because we talked a lot about mentality. I wanted to learn a bit more from your football side, Dominica. So thank you very much for that. Millie, what quick fire questions have we got for Dominica? Yeah, first, I think it's really interesting that you spoke a little bit about the national team. I've seen that Slovenia has made a massive improvement in the last two to three years, like huge improvement. 
I mean, you've had some really tight results from what I've seen against Wales, you know, to play France. I mean, that's that's brilliant. Um, but yeah, I mean, and you seem to be a very like big role within the national team. So to have that, do you kind of feel the responsibility? This has become a question now. Do you kind of feel that responsibility on your shoulders to kind of, I don't know, get together the national team and be really the driving force of it? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, and uh, a little bit of a, I mean, it's not just responsibility, it's also my passion. You know, mm-hmm. obviously it's my country and uh, I think there's no better thing to, than to play on a big tournament, uh, either Euros or World Cup. Um, so, and I think it would be very special uh, for such a small country mm-hmm. uh, to make it there. Uh, so yeah, definitely one of the driving forces, definitely the one who really believes in the entire thing. And I think I've succeeded so far to, to pull with me uh, also the others. Mm-hmm. Um, lately, the last two and a half, maybe three years, we have a new staff. Um, and that makes, you know, of uh, experienced, older players, uh, and then uh, very good young players who are coming in now. And then the stuff that believes in us and have a lot of knowledge, uh, I think this is, uh, you know, the product are the, the good results. I mean, against France, uh, we were tied. We were 2-2 at the, the 90th minute and they scored from the penalty in the last Yeah, it's so close. Really close games. Yeah, obviously, you know, I mean, from the perspective of playing, we didn't play full out against them. We were defending, you know, yeah, yeah. Action, which is normal. Uh, but still, you know, to and then now we played, uh, we lost 1 0 there. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, uh, the improvements are huge, so uh, I'm proud of that and I'm looking forward to what's next. Nice, I think it's really important to have someone like that in a team, to have someone like you being the driving force in the team to take you further because it's it's done a massive amount already in the last few years. Um, just to finish off, my last question really quickly. So fast forward five years and teleport yourself five years from now. Where is Dominique Chont? What is she doing? Oh, well. Final no. goal winner, 2027. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm definitely still playing. Uh, and, you know, like you said uh, before, you want to go to you want to do as best as you can, you know. So uh, I obviously want to do as best as I can. Um, and, you know, I don't know if I'm going to still be here in Sampdoria or I'm going to play in any other teams, but uh, I'll just, you know, my focus is... Uh, before that, I was very future-oriented and very, all, oh, you know, like, when I get there, I'm going to be happy. But now I'm just kind of like here and now and just, you know, I know that the power is in that moment right now. So every single day I'm just trying to give my best and improve and then let's see where uh, that's going to take me. But definitely I want to be on one of the the big tournaments. Mm -hmm. The present is the most powerful place you can be. Yeah, Definitely. No, fantastic. Thank you very much, Dominika. Before we wrap up the podcast, I just wanted to ask you two questions. First question is, if you could recommend our podcast to one of your friends, one of your English-speaking friends who's in the football industry as well, maybe a footballer, maybe a coach, 
would you recommend them and who would you recommend to us to interview next? Because we've learned so much from you. I know Millie's spoken to you previously, but I'm pretty sure she's learned a whole deal from your upbringing to developing yourself further in different ways going forward as well. Who would you recommend to get onto the podcast next? And if you could, would you invite them on as a part two? Because we still need to learn a lot more about yourself as well, Dominique. Uh, well, yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Um, and the first person that came to my mind right now, it's uh, my very good friend, also a teammate uh, in the national team, uh, Lara Brashnika. She's playing for uh, Frankfurt in German okay. Bundesliga. Um, uh, young, but very good. And also, you know, uh, a similar mentality as me. Uh, she had to go through a lot to, to make her own uh, path in one of the, if not the best leagues in, in the world. Definitely. Oh, definitely her. No, she doesn't speak English, so. <laughs> that's okay. That's all we needed as well. Someone who could speak English because I don't think I'd learn German as much as I'm good at German in the next couple of weeks or next few days whenever we would get her on. But no, if you could ask her, that would be really, really well appreciated from us both as well, Dominica. And my final question before I leave it to Millie to wrap up the podcast is who would win in a, in a penalty shootout, you or Millie? Oh, we have to try it. I you know. have to try it, don't Great you? Great answer. <laughs> I'll be going to you, need to right? over, you need to visit here in yeah, Italy. Yeah, That's why I said part two with you. We'll actually do it in person. We'll come, we'll come to Italy and we'll get to nice. as well. Which will be Where amazing. is Sampdoria, by the way? Where is, well, it's Genoa. Well, uh, one village kind of like out of Genoa, more to the south. Uh, nice. Very, very small town and uh, very nice. Brilliant. If it's got a beach, I'm all right. We'll, we'll penalty uh, shoot yeah. You just said it was a village, wasn't it? Village yeah, with a beach on the side. Yeah, you know, like it's, it's well, well, Genoa is a city on the beach pretty much. And uh, if you drive through Genoa down south, you know, you get to Poliasco, uh, which is that small town where uh, there's a training center of Sampdoria and where I live also. And it's pretty crazy because, you know, it's the entire thing is kind of like in the hill or on the hill, up the hill, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, so I live down, so I, like down here on the beach and then I walk every single morning minutes up the hill and then I get to the training center and the training center pretty much the pitch has a view on the sea like on the beach so it's wow. uh, it's pretty pretty good good place to be fantastic dominica you've been absolutely fantastic thank you very much for talking to us probably you told us so much in that episode that's why i'm like we need a part two to learn a bit more about your other yeah. places that you've done you've done so much in your career you've developed yourself in different ways that people can only imagine they can develop in certain ways and you're only still playing football at the same time which is fantastic to see so uh, I just want to say thank you very much for coming on to the podcast. Millie, if you want to close off the podcast and um, yeah, I'll leave it to you, Millie, to close off. Nice. Thank, thank, you, for, thank you for inviting me. Uh, of course, of course. You were the first in my mind, honestly. Thank you for coming on. It's brilliant to see that you're performing at such a high level over so many years, but not just your performance, everything in your life you've done. It's brilliant. And I'm sure loads of people will love to hear what you're all about. So yeah, thank you again. I really enjoyed it. I know Hams has enjoyed it. And yeah, thank you all for listening to us and we'll be back soon. Thank you again. See you later. I think you're actually my favourite Slovenian footballer that we've had on the podcast. So that's why I'm like in disbelief because I'm like, 
I still we we haven't even closed the podcast yet because I'm still in awe that we had Dominique <laughs> Chant on the podcast. So, yeah. Well, thank the, you. The listeners can listen to me rambling about it. Millie, I don't say this often enough, but I have to say thank you very much for getting Dominique on the podcast because that was absolutely incredible. It's probably one of the quietest podcasts from my point of view because I'm just there sitting there listening to her incredible stories from her youth, from becoming maybe a tennis player to maybe a footballer to going to the USA without knowing the English language to rising up and playing for AC Milan because that was an incredible podcast. And the fact is, we've only just scratched the surface. So realistically speaking, like I said, we do need to get on for a part two and there needs to be a plan where you could actually have a penalty shootout against her because that needs to be recorded and I need to see who's better at penalties, you or Dominica. But how did you find that episode, Millie, personally? Definitely. I mean, if it gets me a penalty shootout on the beach in Genoa in Italy, amazing. <laughs> I love it. But definitely. definitely, we've only just scratched the surface, like you said. I was going to say there was so much content in that in that hour or so. Literally, we could have gone on for three hours there. I mean, for me to hear about all of the teams she's been to, but the fact that she's kept that high performance throughout them all. And, you know, the fact that she's had those kind of dips and like setbacks, but she didn't really call them setbacks, did she? No. I mean, some, some people might call them like setbacks, be negative about it. But she didn't. She kind of flipped it on its head. And that's where she got her spur again. Just so, normal hurdles. Oh, just normal hurdles in life. That's how she saw yeah. it. I'm like, that's, that's a really big thing that she's just minimising her mind. And she, she could say that back with the benefit of hindsight, which works really well for her as well, which is definitely. really, really good. Her mental and, strength is amazing. Definitely. And again, another foreign guest that we've had who's speaking in their second language in English. Again, incredible. The fact that mm -hmm. we're getting... Some of these foreign players from Denmark, from Italy, from Slovenia playing in Italy as well. I can't wait. And there's so much more to learn from some incredible people out there. And I'm really glad that Dominique has spent the time to take, to speak to us for that hour, hour and 15 minutes, however long it was, because she was incredible. And that was incredible. And this podcast is going to be incredible as we go forward as well. Because if that's just the type of quality uh, podcast guests that we get, we're only, uh, like we said, we're scratching the surface as well of what mm -hmm. we're doing going forward and I'm really happy with the way that we've worked going forward as well so Millie do you want to just close off the podcast for us as well because again I need to say to you you've done really well in leading some of these podcasts recently as well because I'm just there like taking a back seat having a drink just recovering from hay fever <laughs> as you do but no really well done to yourself Millie on leading these podcasts and many more to come going forward I can't wait thank you yeah I hope that I hope there is many more to come because like we've said, like I really enjoy it. And to speak to so many people from around the world, it's been great. And for any listeners out there, if you do like us, if you are listening to us, please share, please follow, please like us. And just, yeah, again, share it with whoever you can. And if you do know anyone who's brilliant, you might be brilliant yourselves. Come on, come and have a chat to us, right? Yeah, just give us a direct message, find us on our emails, the contacts all there on our social medias that we leave in the description every single week as well. Come and find us. We, will, we, will, we may want to learn a thing or two from you as well. thing or two from you as well. I have to repeat <laughs> that. See, I haven't had enough drink this evening as well because it's really hot where we are in the world. But everyone, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, Millie, again, for coming onto the podcast. We'll see you all next time. And hopefully we'll have an even better guest than the last week because, again, We've got so many ordinary people telling extraordinary stories and I love it. I really love it. Thank you, everyone. Take care and goodbye.